17. John 17. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you all. It feels like it's been a while since I've been up here, but it, I always love to say how much of an honor and a privilege and a pleasure it is to be with you all. Um, it's just mornings like these that I just really, really enjoy being a part of the spiritual family. Um, being able to see just creative expressions and testimonies and worship. It's just something really, really cool and incredible that the Lord is doing in our hearts and in our midst. And uh, today we're just going to, uh, I'm going to take some time to develop something that has been, uh, that the Lord has been stirring in my heart for a while um, and just the beginnings of an introduction to this concept of the love of God and how the Lord has called us to live in his love. And so today, we're, uh, the, the title of today's message is Growing in the Love of God. Um, and before we get going, I'll say a prayer for us, and then we're going to take a moment just to kind of, um, I guess you could say meditate, um, and think about uh, the love that the Lord has, specifically a particular um, direction his love is towards. And um, I, 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 my prayer for today um, is what this very message is about, is that we need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we need the Holy Spirit to help us with this subject here. That our flesh can't receive, our flesh can't produce the love of God. We need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so this morning, I'm going to pray and ask the Lord that he would touch our hearts, that he would touch our hearts to understand this subject here because we need him. We need him on this. So Father, we come before you in the glorious name of your son, Jesus, and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the love with which you love us with. And Lord, I'm asking by the power and the uh, revelation of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you open the eyes of our understanding, Lord, to see and to know how you feel towards us, Lord, how uh, we uh, how we are the delight of your heart. And so, God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, would you touch our hearts with the power of your spirit to open our eyes with understanding and revelation, living understanding about this subject right here. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we begin today, I want you guys uh, to help me, help me out with a question here. Is how much... Does the Father love Jesus? <laughs> yeah, you can respond back to me. How much does the Father love Jesus? A lot. <laughs> the Father loves Jesus a lot. There's some scriptures that I want to kind of toss your way. Remember that story, not, not the story, but that event, that historic event where Jesus goes to John the Baptist and he goes to the river, and John the Baptist says, you know, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, you need to baptize me. And John the Baptist baptizes Jesus. And when Jesus emerges from the water, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, and the booming voice of the Father comes over him. 
And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The delight of the father over the son. There's another passage, Matthew 12, 18, where it's the prophet Isaiah prophesying. It's about this servant that the Lord would raise up, talking about Jesus. And it literally says that this servant of mine, and this is the father declaring it over Jesus. He says, my soul delights in this one. And then there's another instance where Jesus takes his three closest friend, friends, uh, Peter, James, and John, up the mountain. And while they are at the top of that mountain, Jesus is transfigured before them. And Moses and Elijah are on the mountain. And a cloud is surrounding them. And all of a sudden, the, the disciples hear the voice of the Father. And it says, he says over Jesus again the same words, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Right? The Father delights and loves the Son in a way that we can't even fathom. But this is my point of what I'm trying to get at. And I'm going to say a statement to you all that's going to sound pretty radical, but it's true. It's this, is that the same way that the Father feels about Jesus, for those of us who are in Christ, the Father himself feels that same way about you. The same way that the Father feels about Jesus, with the same passion, love, intensity, fervor, delight, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we've been born again, we are children of God, the Father feels that same way about you. Sounds really radical, hmm? Look at John 17, verse 23. And this is Jesus praying and asking the Father. This is what it says. John 17, 23. This is the radical stuff that the Bible says. <laughs> John 17, 23 says, I in them and you in me. And this is Jesus praying for the disciples that would believe in the testimony of the apostles, he's praying for us, okay? He's praying for the thousands and millions, yea, billions of saints down the road that would receive the gospel message and that would be joined to him in faith. He says this in John 17, 23, I in them and you in me, all being perfected into one, so that the world will know you sent me and will understand, here it is, that you love them as much as you love me. That the same way that the Father feels about Jesus is the same way that the Father feels about Marvin Lewis Williams Jr., about Rachel Nanza, about Jeff and Annie. Same way for you, for all of us who are in Christ Jesus. This is the quality of love that the Father has towards us. Sounds really radical, but that's the testimony of the scriptures. Here's another one. Go ahead and turn over a couple pages back to John 15, 
verse 9. Now this is Jesus talking. That same pleasure, that same delight, that same radical love that the Father has towards Jesus, check out what Jesus says about his love towards us. He says this, I have loved you even as, just as, in the same way as the Father has loved me. Live or abide in my love. This is the thing, is that the same way that the Father feels about Jesus is the same way that the Father feels about those of us who are in Christ Jesus. And in the same way that the Father feels about Jesus is the same way that Jesus feels about those who are in him, his disciples. And I want to give you all two principles today because when I say that, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's in the text, it's in the scriptures, but when I say it, it sounds really radical, almost heretical. It sounds like, what is, what is this kind of love? And John says that very same thing in 1 John chapter 3. He says, what kind of love has the Father lavished upon us? We don't even know this kind of love. And the reason why it sounds radical and the reason why it sounds kind of offensive and the reason it sounds like, Marvin, should you really be saying stuff like that? Is because we don't really know it and we don't really believe it. The text says it. The Bible says it, Jesus says it, but we don't really believe it. We think that God has some lower grade quality of love for us than he does his son. But the truth of the matter is that the father, for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we receive the same quality of affection towards us that he has towards his son, Jesus. Do you know how loved you are by God? <laughs> Do you know how uh, uh, delighted in God is in you? Do you know about his affections for you? Do you know about his affection toward you and how deep his love is for you? Well, the truth of the matter is that we can't fully know it <laughs> because Paul talks about how the love of God is incomprehensible. It takes all of the saints and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I said this morning, we need the Holy Spirit to understand this kind of love. We need the person and the work of the Holy Spirit to understand what this text is saying. And so I'm picking up here in the introduction. Is that the essence and summation of the attributes and character of the triune God is love. We see that in 1 John. And the ultimate purpose of humanity, the reason why you have been created, the reason why you have been placed on this earth, the very reason for your existence is to enjoy, share, reciprocate, and abide in God's eternal love. And if this is the ultimate reality of God's kingdom, and if these truths are for everybody that is in Christ Jesus, then we have to seek to grow in our understanding and experience of God's love toward us so that we may love like him. Because the truth of the matter is that we can only love to the degree 
that we know that we are loved by God. We can only love the way that God has commanded us to love when we begin to know, understand, and experience and allow his love to change and transform us from the inside out. Right? John the Apostle, the Apostle of Love, he says, he says that we, we love because he first loved us. And we need to understand the quality of love that God has towards us. Not just, because you, you'll get a lot of Christians that say, oh yeah, God loves me. Oh yeah, I know that God loves me. But do you know the quality of love that he has for you? And that's why when I say what I just said, that the Father loves you, if you are in Christ the same way that he loves Jesus, and Jesus loves you the same way that the Father loves him, it sounds radical because we don't know it. And we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to teach us about the depths of the quality of the love that God has towards us. And so today, I want to expound upon two principles. Two principles that will help us grow in this kind of love. Two principles that will help us grow in our understanding of the way, the quality of the affections that God has pointed toward us. All right, you guys with me? All right, all right. So this is the passage here. This is at the top of the notes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And this is uh, the ESV translation here, the ESV version of the Bible. <clears throat> and this is the, apostle, this is the apostle John. Commentators call him the apostle of love. Okay? This is what it says. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I just want to go back to just that first sentence there, and this is, these are the two principles that help us grow in the love of God, this understanding the quality of love that God has towards us. It says this, so we have come to know, that's principle one, and to believe the love that God has for us. The two principles of growing in the love of God is to know it and then to believe it. <laughs> you've got to know it and then you've got to believe it. You know it and then you believe it. All right, so let's talk about those two principles for a moment here. So this is Roman numeral one. Uh, uh, paragraph A, but I want to give a uh, preliminary statement before I get into this, is that we first must understand that God is always actively loving us, okay? That there's not a point and a moment where God has stopped loving you, okay? There is not a point and a moment where he was like, I'm going to take a break <laughs> from loving you. He is always actively constantly, intentionally loving us. But we have to come to a point and a place where we begin to search out that love and we begin to believe the love that he has for us, 
okay? So principle number one is knowing the love of God. The first principle of growing in the love of God is our growth in intellectual and experiential knowledge of his affection toward us. There's a couple of Greek words that talk when you see, when you see the word know, K-N-O-W. I'm glad I got that spelling right on the first try. <laughs> is that when you, when, when you see, when you come across those words in the New Testament, there are two Greek words. I wasn't the best Greek student when I was in Bible college, but I got these two words down. <laughs> is the first word is gnosko, and the other word is oida. And they both kind of mean the same thing. It's not just intellectual knowledge, oh, I know this, but it's an experiential, personal, experiential knowledge. And so it's both intellectual and experiential when you see that word know, gnosko and oida, okay? And so the first principle to growing in the love of God is our growth in intellectual and experiential knowledge of his affections for us. You see, as we fill our minds with information, the Holy Spirit will fill our hearts with revelation. When we search out the scriptures and when we begin to really see and ask the Holy Spirit to show us how God feels about us, when we ask, Holy Spirit, would you show me how the Father feels about me? How he, you'll, you'll find that as you read through the scriptures, verses will start popping up. And then what you do is you take those verses and you begin to meditate on them. You begin to pray them back to God and you'll find that the Holy Spirit will release revelation in your heart and your heart will be touched by the love of God. Check this out. This is, this is what uh, Jesus says in John 17, 26, and he's talking about how the, knowledge, the declaration of the knowledge of God and the, and the growth in the knowledge of God is directly connected to our growth in the love of God. See, he says this, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. That's knowledge. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them. He says, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me, the love that the Father has for the Son, that it would be in them. And I in them. You see, Jesus connects the declaration, the proclamation, and the understanding of the knowledge of God directly to our growth in the love of God, this very concept right here. And so I want to break these two down here, is intellectual. This is point number one under uh, paragraph A. And this is that one of the reasons we do not know the love of God is that we do not take time to study it in the Bible. There are so many verses and passages and scriptures about the love of God in the Bible that if you were to just take those for a moment 
and just sit on them and meditate on them, study them out and pray them back to God that not only your mind would be filled with information, but your heart would be filled with revelation. Oh my gosh, this is real. <laughs> That's what revelation is. Information is just, oh yeah, I know that. Revelation is, oh my goodness, this is real. <laughs> and so we need information because we need the foundation of facts in our mind, right? That when we are uh, when we feel shame and when we feel guilt and when we feel condemned and when we feel a type of way, we need the foundation of facts in our mind to say, no, even though I'm feeling this way, the scriptures say, God loves me. He delights in me. We need those, we need those facts in our mind because when the winds of life blow upon, the, uh, blow upon the towers of our mind, we need something to root ourselves in. It's that song that we sang, his love is the firm foundation. Is the love of God the firm foundation in your mind and in your heart? Or is it just when the winds of life blow by, you make a mistake, you fail here, you mess up there, it's just, oh my gosh, I'm not worthy of God's love anymore. Get the facts in your mind. Get the verses in your mind and understand that God loves you. <laughs> we need information, okay? That's, that's important, but we need to take it a step further. We need the Holy Spirit to unveil this stuff to us, right? Because one of the reasons we don't know the love of God is because we don't ask the Holy Spirit to release greater measures of his love into our hearts. Go ahead and turn to Romans 5.5 5 with me here. And this is one of my favorite passages because what this talks about is the Apostle Paul is saying how the love of God is actually made real into our hearts. How the words on the pages get into our hearts and our emotions and the way that we live our internal life. And this is what he says in Romans 5.5. 5. Then... When that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well. For we know how dearly God loves us and we feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts so that we can understand how loved we are by God. It's both intellectual and it's both experiential. And I'm going to touch on this in a moment here, just a little bit more, just to develop that. But that's the first principle of growing in the love of God, is to begin to understand both intellectually and experientially through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit to begin to understand the kind of love, the quality of love, and affection that God has for you and for me. When I was, uh, you know, I grew up a pastor's kid, 
and you know, you get the Christian, it's become a Christian cliche, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, I know I'm loved by God, and I remember being invited, I've shared this story many times before, but I went to one thing, 2016, IHOP, Kansas City, and I remember being so provoked by the way that these people knew God. <laughs> you know, I'm a pastor's kid, did a Bible study in high school, you know, I, I thought I knew it all, you know, at 19. <laughs> And you know, it's just, it's just you know, you just you just think you know it all when you're 19. It's just like I'm in my second year of college, and you know, I got it all together. And I remember going to Kansas City and being so provoked. I just I just said, God, it was the second or third day of the conference. I just said, Lord, whatever these people have, I want it. And it like the Lord opened the heavens. The power of God came on me, knocked me in the back of my chair, and for about a year and a half after that, I had a tangible flame of fire. Like, it was a fire burning on the inside of me, and I just did everything in love. I was like, I may mess up here. I'm just, I just, I just love. I, you know, it's just like you're just so consumed with the love of God. It's just you just do everything. You know, it's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so fascinated with love. It's the experience and the impartation of the Holy Spirit to put that fire and that flame of God's love on the inside of us. So it's to know it, right, intellectually, experientially. And there's so many, there's so many places in the Bible that you can study the love of God. The Song of Solomon, the writings of the Apostle John, the love of God is literally everywhere in the Bible, but how many of us actually take time to search it out? And then when we search it out, not just keeping it intellectually, but bringing the words back to God, Lord, show me the fire of your love. Lord, show me the incomprehensibleness of your love, the way that you feel about me. Holy Spirit, would you show me how the Father feels about me? It'll change us. We've got to ask that we got not only have to search it out in the scriptures, but we have to ask the Holy Spirit to impart the love of God on the inside of us. And that's how we'll begin to grow. That's how we'll begin to grow in the knowledge of God. First principle, knowing the love of God. But the second principle is believing it. Is believing it. Ask a Christian who's been around for a while, God loves you. Oh, yeah, 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 I know God loves me. I, got, I know God loves me. Like, no, seriously, do we seriously believe that the Father loves us with the same quality of love that he loves his son with? Because the truth of the matter is this, is that when we feel shame or when we feel condemnation or we feel guilt, we fail to think that God still loves and enjoys us. We fail to think that in the midst of my mess, in the midst of the mud that I'm in, there's no way that God can still love me with that same quality of love. We don't really believe it. And what believing is all about is about just aligning our hearts with the truth of God's word is that understanding and knowing that even when I'm in a tough season of life, even when 
I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for God, but yet I come short. I'm reaching for God, but I come short. Understanding that he still likes you. <laughs> he still loves you. That you are still the delight of his soul. <laughs> that, you, that, that he delights in you. He likes you. <laughs> But we don't believe it. We don't believe it. And that's why verses like John 15, 9 and John 17, 23 are really radical to us, especially when I say it out loud. And, you know, if I were to say, if I were to say it out loud just very directly, the father loves me, Marvin Lewis Williams Jr., as much and in the same way that he loves Jesus. People will pick up their stones. <laughs> People are ready to pick up their stones and stone me. How could you say that? I'm not saying it. Jesus said it. But we don't believe it. We have to align our hearts with this truth. That's what believing it is. It's saying, Lord, even though I don't feel it, I believe it. Not because... I'm a heretic and I'm going off the deep end, but because you said it, Jesus. These are red letters. Mm. Those are red letters where it says that the Father loves you in the same way that he loves Jesus. And the only reason that is is because we are in Jesus. <laughs> We have been washed by his blood. We have been cleansed. We have been unified with by our faith to the Lord Christ Jesus. And because we are, we are now the recipients of the same kind of love that the Father has towards him because we are in him. We have to believe it. Even while we were sinners, God still loved us by sending his son. It's first love. Believing is about aligning our hearts with this truth. And the, and the, and the, the glorious thing is, uh, here, I'll just read the passage here in 1 John 4, 9 through 10. It says this, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Right? Over and over again, John says the love of God has been made manifest. And so the glorious news of this is that you don't have to wait for a mystical experience to know that you're loved by God. You don't have to wait for a lightning bolt to strike you and be, oh my goodness, God loves me, right? The love of God has already been made manifest in his son, Christ Jesus, on the cross. His love for you has already been made manifest. You don't have to wait for a crazy mystical experience where you see angels coming down or you see fire of God pouring out on you. It's, it's understanding that the love of God has already been made manifest and all you got to do is believe it. 
All you got to do is believe it and receive it, right? Point number one under Roman, uh, under paragraph B is one of the reasons we fail to believe in the love that God, uh, in the love God, in the love of God is that we do not fully believe in the work of Jesus on the cross. The reason we don't, the reason why that stuff is radical, when I say that the Father loves you the same way he loves Jesus, and Jesus loves you the same way that the Father loves him with, the reason why that's hard to swallow and understand and comprehend is we say that we believe in the work of Jesus on the cross, but when it comes down to it, we don't really believe it fully. Because if we believed it fully, we would have no problem saying, the Father loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. And Jesus loves me just as much as the Father loves him with, because I understand that he that the father willingly gave his son on the cross for my redemption and my salvation. That Jesus willingly, nobody forced him, he willingly laid down his life on the cross so that I would know that I'm loved by God. <laughs> it's about believing it. One of the reasons... Another one of the reasons why we fail to believe in the love of God is that we do not continually abide or remain in it. When we cease to re remain present in God's love for us, deviating from Scripture, we are susceptible to demonic deception of God's affection for us. Do you really believe that God loves you that way? Do you, you messed up. Do you really believe that God still loves you the same way that he loves his son? Right? We have to abide in God's love. It's about remaining. It's about staying in the love of God. And abiding happens as we talk to Jesus, saying scripture back to him. It's staying in the conversation. It's staying in the, Lord, I know that you love me. Even though I messed up, even though I repent, I turn back, but I know that I am your delight. I'm your beloved. I was reading this morning in the Psalms, and David had a lot of people mocking him because he claimed, and he, he brought this for himself. He said, loves me. The Lord delights in me. And the people mocked him for it. They said, is this the one that, that, uh, that said about himself, God delights in him? He says, Lord, I know I'm your delight. I know that you like me, that you love me. David knew this truth, that God liked him, <laughs> that God loved him, that God delighted in him. He believed it. And that's the same thing that we have to do, is we have to know it, and we have to actually believe it. But the truth of the matter is this. We can search out the scriptures all we want. We can continue to say and realign our hearts with these, with these truths. But the truth of the matter is this is, is this, is that these principles need power behind them. These 
principles need power. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit to make this stuff real. We need the Holy Spirit to make this stuff real in our hearts. We need power behind these principles. Not just I'm saying the right things and maybe just somehow it'll happen that I'll just believe. We need power. We, we cannot get this stuff on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. We need, we really need God to impart the love of God into our hearts. And that's what Romans 5, 5 is all about. So go ahead and flip the page. I'm just going to run through some of these really quick. We cannot love the way that God commands us to without the Holy Spirit. And the flesh cannot produce no or receive this kind of love. It has to be through the impartation of the Holy Spirit. We can't get this at a Walmart. We can't get this on our own. We need God to understand his love for us, and we need God to impart his love to us, right? That's what Romans 5, 5 is all about. And John the Apostle uh, makes a threefold declaration about who God is, and we can bring this and wrap this about his love as well, is that John the Apostle, he says that God is spirit, that God is light, and that God is love. And so when we take all three of those together, we can say that God's love is spiritual, that God's love is holy, and that God's love is supernatural. Therefore, we can't receive the love of God naturally, but we need him to release it to us through his spirit. Right, We can't just search out the scriptures, say, get a couple Bible verses and say, okay, I'm good. We need the Holy Spirit. And so the third, uh, this is paragraph B here. I'm just going to work through these really quickly. This is about the anointing of the love of God. Is that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the divine the divine distributor of the love of God. That's Romans 5.5. 5. And remember, the way that the Father and the Son experience the love of God is through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Think about that time, Matthew 3.17. Jesus comes up out of the water, and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, and as he's descending upon Jesus, the voice of the Father comes to him and says, this is my beloved Son in who I am well pleased. The, uh, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon, in and upon Jesus, upon Jesus, what it was accompanied with the voice of the Father's affection and delight and adoration over his son. So he's and there was an explosion, I would imagine, in the heart of Jesus of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, and it's oh my goodness. Before he worked and did, worked one miracle and did a single thing, he said, was resting and abiding in the love of God for him. See, the Holy Spirit makes the love of God real to us, and we can ask him for greater measures of love. 
You see, we have been invited to experience the pleasure of the fellowship of the Godhead. And although emotions are not the goal, is that we really can experience and enter into an experiential knowledge of the love of God. Because what I've noticed about my life and other people's lives is that our emotions are a powerful force on the inside of us. And we need to feel God's love for us. Even though we don't live by feelings and emotions, we live by faith, but it's also our feelings and our emotions have a lot to do with the way that we live. And that there is a such thing as a real experiential feeling, emotional knowledge of God's love for us and his affection towards us. Paragraph C, not only does the Spirit pour the love of God into our hearts, but like fruit, we can mature or ripen in the love of God. We mature in the love of God by talking to the Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you impart more of the love of God into my heart? Right? The... the, the, the work of the Spirit, the Spirit dwelling inside of you, the love of God has already been poured out on the inside of you, but we can ask the Lord for greater measures of it. We can ask the Lord for greater understanding of the love that has already been poured out to us. And this is ultimately how we will stand with confidence before the judgment seat. Right, it says that the uh, that perfect love casts out fear. Not only in this life, but when we stand before God, we can stand with before Him with confidence, because we had uh, His love. We abided in His love, and His love abided in us, and we can stand before Him with confidence because we could say to Him, "I did it all in love." I did it all in love, Lord. And that's ultimately how our lives will be evaluated, is the quality of our love before the Lord. <clears throat> Paragraph D. Is that the love of God is an all-consuming fire. God is a jealous God. And his fire, and his love is fire. Check out Song of Solomon 8.6. It says, set me as a seal upon your heart, for love is strong as death, jealousy is fierce as the grave, its flashes, talking about the flashes of love, its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Love is the very flame of God. And when we ask the Holy Spirit to impart the love of God on the inside of us, it's a fire. It's an all-consuming fire. And what that means is that it will consume and burn up every other love. It'll burn up our idols. It'll burn it all up so that we're fully possessed by the love of God. And so that we walk in love. And so that we, uh, we live in love. And so that we walk in the first commandment in obedience to Jesus. We need the fire of the love of God on the inside of us to affect the way that we live. And then ultimately, and this is how I'm closing here, 
is paragraph E, the depths of love. Scripture is adamant that the love of God is incomprehensible and inexhaustible, meaning that we will never fully understand the depths of the love of God in Christ Jesus. But there's always a fresh facet. There's always a deeper dimension. And there's always a richer revelation of God's love to be discovered with the help of the Holy Spirit. Always. God's love is eternal. You will never, ever exhaust the love of God. You will never, ever come to the end of it and say, oh, yeah, I've arrived. There will always be a deeper dimension, a fresher facet, a richer revelation of the love of God. And that's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I don't know who's closing this out here. Is Rachel, thank you. And this is what it says in Ephesians 3, and I want you all to pay special attention to the verses I've underlined here. It says, Ephesians 3, 14 and 19, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, this is the Apostle Paul, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The love of God is something that we have to actively pursue. This is something that we have to research and meditate on. That we can't become complacent, but we have to continue to hunger and thirst for more of God's love that we may live as he has commanded us to. This is growing in the love of God. <laughs> it's knowing it and it's believing it. Amen? Man, all right, I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're just going to do that very thing. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit.